Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. It's about 9.30. Getting to this a little late. Watched a little Thursday night football. Did not go well for the Raiders. Justin Herbert shines. Mariota, not bad. We will dive into that. Gruden, $100 million for seven and seven. I thought $100 million buys you a little bit more, but guess not. We're going to Aaron Rodgers killing it. Uh, Taysom Hill has a pretty big week. My my guy, Lewis Riddick, interviewing all over the NFL for jobs. Uh, Three for the money. I got three picks. Feel pretty good about Nick Saban and Alabama crushing it again. At John Middlecoff is the Insta. Middlecoff mailbag. It's where I answer your questions. Get up in those DMs. You'll get your questions answered. Also, for those of you that listen on the Herd feed, Greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast if you like the show. Appreciate everyone listening and supporting. It helps. I see you. We love you. Let's dive into Thursday night. Start with the Raiders. Mark Davis 
had a franchise that even in the NFL, where every franchise makes money, and they were while they were a you know considered a smaller market because they were in Oakland, they were in the Bay Area. So when their games played on TV for the last several decades, they played in front of eight million people. They were in one of the largest markets in America, and they could not make any money. Their stadium situation was a disaster. For whatever reason, around here, they couldn't do you know they, they couldn't do business with other the we had so much cash around here, Silicon Valley, cash everywhere. Ask Jed York; he's turned a franchise, you know, in a ten-year span as like one of the highest valued franchises in the entire league. Mark Davis could not do it, so he gets this move to Vegas, and he's going to Las Vegas. He's going to make a lot more money. He needs someone to sell. And for whatever reason, he thinks John Gruden is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So he offers him $100 million, and John Gruden agrees. And John Gruden had ridden one of the greatest hype trains we've ever seen. I'd say like the last five years he was on Monday Night Football, every single year he was turned down three or four teams. USC, Tennessee, the Eagles, the Colts. Every team was the Giants, the Cowboys. Every team wanted him. The USC again. And he was always saying no, and he was always getting raised. He was making 10-plus million to call Monday Night Football. I have sources in the beer business. Corona was paying him a shitload of money. He was making huge cash. And the buzz on this guy was like, he's like Bill Parcells, but he's an offensive guy. He's his quarterback guru. And my friends in the NFL was like, name me a young quarterback he's ever been a guru for. He, he helped Rich Gannon get his, make a career. That was about it. He was a guy that didn't get along with many people, that got traded from the Raiders, that went to Tampa, and after that first year, which was his last playoff victory when he won the Super Bowl, he hasn't had a playoff victory since. It was really, really ugly in Tampa. Players hated John Gruden, but he rehabbed his image. He became this television star. He was Chucky. He was doing the draft, and he was screaming for Johnny Menzel. Why aren't they drafting my player? And then he comes back. And he inherits a team that just a year ago, after he had taken over, had made the playoffs. They had, beside Aaron Donald, or Aaron Donald, arguably the best defensive player in the league in Khalil Mack. He trades him. Amari Cooper, really good wide receiver. He trades him. He resets the entire roster. Three years later, he's still not in the playoffs. I'm sorry, $100 million has to buy you more. There is no way around it John Gruden is one of the biggest waste of money in the history of the league. We do it a lot with uh, with players, like an Albert Hainsworth with Washington, you know, like a Namdi Asamoah when I was in Philly. Just some, there are some historic free agent busts. We should look at John Gruden that way. He got a hundred million dollars guaranteed. Google in the history of the NFL how many players have made a, got a hundred million dollar contracts. Until like three or four years ago, it was zero. He's one of the biggest contracts and guaranteed money in the history of the league. He's three years in and he doesn't sniff the playoffs. He can't beat the Chargers on Thursday night at home. He's running plays at the end of first half like they don't know, they've never practiced a clock situation. He's running plays in overtime at like the four-yard line goal line offense throwing to the fullback at the three-yard line when he has a quarterback that's run around like a gazelle all game long and made plays. He's not a good coach. He's just not very good. At best, he's average. But in no world 
And I gave Mark Davis credit when he, when he signed the guy. He took a huge swing. He rolled the dice. He needed a rock star to take him into Vegas. And the reality is he does have a rock star. He has a guy that's really, really famous. You know the problem for Mark? Famous doesn't win you football games. He has a guy who's way more famous than he is a good coach. He has a guy who struggles to win football games when it matters. Back-to-back years. Last year, 6-4. and four, Crumbled down the stretch. This year, 6-3. and three, Crumbled down the stretch. I'll give him credit. They spent $7.5 million on Marcus Mariota. Basically, I, I just got a root canal the other day. What do they do when I'm checking in? Hey, what's your insurance? You pay for insurance, so when I get my teeth, I, they cover 50% of a $1,200 bill. Thanks, insurance. Good job. But that's why I buy insurance, right? Because if I didn't, I'd pay the $1,200 for my root canal. And then when I get a crown next week, I'd pay $800 for that. But you pay insurance, you get half off, right? Or whatever it is. Still don't quite understand how insurance works. I'm always paying money. They're never paying that much money, but it's a good deal. That's basically what a backup quarterback is. And that's basically what John Gruden did. And it worked. And he put him in position to win the game. And John Gruden went old school like it was 1987 and ran a goal line offense at the five-yard line and tried to throw it to the fullback. I mean, this isn't 1993, John. It's 2000. You took a decade off. Didn't you study the habits and the trends? But in the biggest spots, at the end of the day, one thing I've learned about John Gruden, watching him very closely these last couple years, he kind of coaches scared. He kind of coaches conservative. He is a conservative coach. He's not some gunslinging offensive guy. He's not Sean Payton or Andy Reid. That is not his style. He wants to put three tight ends on the field and a fullback and throw to the wide banana out of the fucking, you know, the, the wheel route to a running back. And he lost to the Chargers. Absolutely pitiful. On the other end of the spectrum, the Chargers. I just can't say enough what a great job that is going to be. They have a quarterback who can do everything you're looking for a quarterback to do already as a rookie when he's clearly not being coached by high-level guys. He is calm, cool, and collected. He clearly is really smart. He went up to the line at a point in time in that game and like made an audible that led to a first down. It was really impressive. He's athletic. His arm is massive. He's pretty damn accurate. We could work a little bit on the touch, but he's young. To me, watching that game tonight and really watching his entire rookie season, I think to myself, how did Marcus Arroyo, the offensive coordinator at Oregon, become a head coach? I would be embarrassed if I was Arroyo and the offensive coordinator and I was watching Justin Herbert do that. You have this guy? It'd be like if Coach K didn't let Zion dunk. Then all of a sudden you were watching Pelicans games and they were throwing him alley-oops and, and he was dunking. You're like, Coach K, why didn't you let him dunk? Like, how did you guys not let Marcus or uh, Justin Herbert let it rip at Oregon? How is Justin Herbert not the number two pick in the draft? He's 6'5", he's 225, 230. He's got his, you know, arm like Josh Allen. He's a high-character guy. He's a 4.0 student. He was a Rose Bowl MVP. That's pretty nuts when you think about it. That's an indictment on the offensive staff, and specifically the offensive coordinator, who's a quarterback guy, and now became the head coach at UNLV. You know what program I'd short if it was a stock? UNLV. Because if you can't win with Justin Herbert, you sure as hell aren't going to win at UNLV. I know he won, but I mean, they weren't productive on offense. And any Oregon fan knows that they, they underachieved on offense with that talent. But that guy's going to be special. And it, 
it was it was a cool night just watching Marcus Mariota kind of resurrect. You know, I wouldn't say his career, but just get a chance to play and play well. See two guys from Oregon just kind of going at it. I saw Justin Herbert say after the game, he grew up in Eugene and was in like you know junior high and high school when Marcus was playing. That it was like his, it was hero growing up, and then obviously a couple of years later he gets drafted. The next year, Mark or Justin's a freshman. But the Chargers have something. You just gotta hope Dean Spanos doesn't screw it up, and they hire the right coach. And if I'm a if I'm a coach, you know, if I'm Arthur, uh, not Arthur Blank, uh, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for Tennessee, if I'm Dayball with Buffalo Bills, if I'm Bienemy, if I'm any of these offensive coordinators, if I'm Matt Campbell and I'm thinking about going to to the NFL, obviously I said Urban should take it, but you know I, I can't. Urban's health, who knows? Maybe he's not even interested. If I'm any of these guys, the number one job I want is the Chargers. And the number one reason I want it is because of the quarterback. Because in the NFL, if you're going to win, you need a quarterback. Breaking news. Sources say. And I just can't see how you can be watching this kid play all year long and go, if, if you're a guy that wants to become a head coach, I want that guy to be my quarterback that guy I'd argue that guy when I've already seen him do it in the NFL week in and week out is much more of a sure thing than one of the most hyped college quarterbacks of my lifetime in Trevor Lawrence so I I like Justin Herbert a lot at Oregon I love him now I mean I I can't I can't love him anymore and I I can't wait to see who the Chargers end up hiring because Anthony Lynn's got to go uh and unleashes and, and really hopefully puts a team around this guy and gives him a chance to you know, compete year in and year out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies waving at the babes and enjoy myself so my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car and uh, we built the boxes from scratch had multiple 12 inch subs and you could hear me coming from a long long way away with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs 
has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. One of the big, I guess the biggest sports story this week, non-football, well, it might have been Charlie Woods and Tiger Woods (laughs) playing in a golf tournament together, but it was Giannis Antetokounmpo signed for $250 million with the Milwaukee Bucks. And, uh, you know, the NBA media loves telling you, like, he just got generational wealth. It's like, hey, guys, he'd already made $105 million. Like, where I come from, $105 million is generational wealth. He just got much more generational wealthy. Like, he was already gener- he already had generational wealth. That gets thrown around a lot in NBA terms. You know, just how much, whenever these guys sign their enormous contracts, like, guys, their second contract after their rookies is enormous. So, Giannis is just really rich now, and he's staying with the small market bucks. But for the last couple years, and it's part of the reason I think the NBA has diminished in popularity is it's insufferable how often the conversation is where is the guy going to play next we don't celebrate like we do in football when the guy's on a team he's going to stay on that team and how good that team's going to be it's really become the NBA culture over the last decade guys just jumping around and the reality is they just do jump around so it has to be covered like that and I remember Coward had this epic rant on uh, at least for us in the Bay Area when it looked like a year ago, that the Warriors might have a chance to land Giannis. And he basically opened up with the rant saying, winners like winners. And it's true. In sports, winners like being around other winners. But I think another part in sports, and I think this works in normal society, non-sports, in any office setting, whatever you do, if you are not the owner of the company, 
And hell, if it's a family business, you might technically own the company, you still might answer your dad, right? Or, you know, if you, depending on your company, what the product is, you kind of answer them. We all, in some form or fashion, answer to somebody. But specifically, when you're not the owner, and you are, even if you're, you know, a CEO, you might answer to a board of directors. But if you're a middle manager, you typically, or a sales guy, you answer to somebody. And it's human nature because I've thought this every single place I worked, whether it was working with the Eagles, with Andy Reid and Howie Roseman that are Super Bowl champs, and obviously really high-level guys. <laughs> you know, they, they both know more about the NFL than I do. There were times when I was in Philly that I was like, I, don't, I think we should do this instead of that. It's human nature to think like that. I thought the same when I worked at Fresno State. I, I thought the same when I worked in the radio business for a while. The difference at the end of the day is when I worked at Fresno State... And when I worked for the Eagles, I had the utmost respect for the people I was answering to. And you're not always going to agree with decisions. That's why leadership is so difficult. But when you respect the person above you, it makes it much easier to operate. When I got into the radio business over time, I had, the last couple years I was there, I had no respect for my boss. And I've heard a million stories from a million different people that we've all been there, right? You're answering to someone. It's one thing to have be told something specifically, and you're like, this is stupid. And then you do it, and then it turns out to be stupid, and you're like, I know. But if you respect the person, something happens the next week, they tell you to do it, and it works. You're like, whatever. It's It's part of working. It's part of life. It's another thing. Literally everything you're told, you go, this guy is a buffoon. And I'm not claiming to be some genius. Just a stay school guy, right? Aaron Rodgers, for example, is really intelligent. If you followed his career and you've listened to him talk, he is a bright guy. Obviously went to Cal, the number one public institution in America, I think the world. But he got there through football. But you know what's weird about Aaron Rodgers, even though he's a football player at Cal? You go, yeah, it felt like intellectually he could hang at that university. I couldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't have sniffed getting in. And my grandpa taught there for like 40 years. And most people I know, I mean, could never have got to Cal. Actually, the only people I know that went to Cal were athletes. Played rugby, knew a golfer, knew a baseball player. They were athletes at the university. Did not know any normal students. They were just like, yeah, I just went there to be a student. Because those people were not my friends. They were too smart. Aaron Rodgers, like, he intellectually could have just performed at the university if he could not throw a football. And as the years have gone by, and just really the last couple years, but specifically this year, with Mike McCarthy getting his chance, do you know what I think the biggest issue Aaron Rodgers had with Mike McCarthy? Is, one, Aaron's one of the great all-time players, but two, he's like kind of an academic, intellectual elite. Mike McCarthy's a meathead. So, you want to know why their relationship deteriorated over time? Because it's hard for a guy who intellectually is far superior to the meathead that he's answering to. That is not going to work. The The respect level is going to diminish over time. And then when you factor in the profession they're in, where winning and losing is a big deal, once you start losing, it's going to amplify and really speed up the process of the hatred. When you look at Matt LaFleur, here's a fact. The Kyle Shanahan, I guess it's not Kyle, it's Mike Shanahan's offense, works. And when it's run correctly, it kicks ass. And this is when guys like 
Matt Schaub, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo are playing quarterback. Matt Ryan, who's better than all those guys, won an MVP in this offense. Aaron Rodgers, of the group I just listed, is easily, on his worst days, better than all those guys. Obviously, and I heard actually Colin say it this week, you forget about it just because, look at John Elway. Now, he was much older, but he won two Super Bowls in this offense. This offense, if you're a great quarterback, is it's stealing. You will eviscerate the competition. It will not be fair. Because, one, it just schemes easy throws. Why? Because the defense thinks the run is coming. And when the run works, and you can get the play action and the bootlegs and the easy passes, you're going to get double-digit easy completions a game, let alone the completions you're going to get just because you have Aaron Rodgers. So it's pretty clear when I look down at his stats and I see a guy who's throwing 70% going into week, I guess it's week 15, 39 touchdowns, four interceptions, and this is where I give Aaron Rodgers credit. He accepted this offense. And the only way I think he accepted this offense is because unlike his former meathead coach, he now has a coach who intellectually, and I don't know if he's smarter than Aaron or not smarter than Aaron, I just know Matt LaFleur, just like all the guys that came from the Shanahan group, Kyle, LaFleur's brother who's on Kyle's staff, Sean McVay, all intellectually pretty high-level guys. That if they were going to spend time with an Aaron Rodgers, with a Matt Ryan, with a Peyton Manning, with a Phillip Rivers, they're intellectually going to be able to hang. It ain't meathead football. Why do you think Andy Reid has gotten along with quarterbacks for 20-plus years? Why do you think Sean Payton and Drew Brees see eye to eye? Why did Josh McDaniels and Belichick work with Tom Brady? If winners like winners, smart guys like other smart guys. Now, sometimes if you're a smart guy, you like having, you know, some of your friends that might not be not as smart, but you're probably not going to go all in in your business with that guy. You typically go in with the guy who gives you the best chance to succeed in business. Just like when you're a player, you want to go all in with the best possible coach. There's a reason the best, when I think, NFL, and I think the best coaches, I think Walsh and Belichick. Both guys known as cerebral geniuses. When I think of the best coaches right now, specifically on offense, I think Andy Reid, Sean Payton. Both known as schematic geniuses. And then when I think about the young guys, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and I'll even throw LaFleur in, they all run the same offense, and they all get along with their quarterback. Because they're all pretty high-level smart guys. It's not a dumb guy league. It's not a meathead league. There's a, do you know how Patrick Mahomes ended up on the Chiefs? I'm sure you've read about the story. Is because they told Patrick Mahomes' agent right around the Senior Bowl, we want the guy. You have to work with us, and you have to give us the ability to stay quiet, stay stealth, and we'll work with you, but you have to keep us in the loop. Who else is going to get him so we can trade up? You think that's a meathead-type move? Or is that, yeah, we're, out, we're running circles. We're like Axe. In billions. We're going to run circles around the competition because we got a guy targeted and we're going to get him. And we're going to work the back channels. It's the way capitalism works. <laughs> you better be outthinking your competition. And I think Aaron Rodgers looked at Mike McCarthy and go, this guy can't outthink the competition. And maybe we just said, well, you know, it's like most marriages, they just end kind of rocky and the divorce, it was probably a lot uglier at the end than the actual relationship was. You know what turns out? I've watched Mike McCarthy this year for the Cowboys. He's not a good head coach. 
And it looks like Aaron Rodgers was dead on. Meathead football. So Aaron Rodgers, who now feels like he's in the driver's seat to win the MVP. And listen, I, I was hard on the floor last, last year, but clearly he got him to embrace this offense. I give Aaron Rodgers credit for just fully embracing this offense because when you embrace it and you're as good as him, you're going to win the MVP. Matty Ice did it. And again, Matty Ice has half the talent of Aaron Rodgers, and that might even be strong. 39-4. and four. I mean, he's got one really good wide receiver and then a bunch of random options, but they can run the ball. So, I, I listen, smart guys like smart guys, and this is a great example. Speaking of smart guys, when I got hired in Philadelphia, I interviewed with three people. And listen, when I got hired, I had to pay for my own way out there because you basically start at the bottom of the totem pole. That first year, I made like twenty five grand. I did not have health insurance. It's called like the player personnel assistant. I mean, it's a glorified internship where you work 20 hours a day for nine months a year. In New England, they call them 20s and 20s. 20-year-olds making 20 grand. I was probably 24, but, you know, same result. Working a lot, not getting that much. But when I flew back there to interview, I interviewed really with three people I remember sitting down with. Louis Riddick, Brett Veach, and Howie Roseman. And obviously, Howie was a general manager, and he was the ultimate guy that said yes or no. And I, Andy played a role because Pat Hill, who had known Coach Reed since, uh, since like, Andy was in college, so that helped. I mean, as Howie said, anytime the head coach comes down to my office and, uh, and gives a good word or recommends a guy to interview for this position, you got a shot. So I, I was lucky enough, I've said it all along, like, my success, a lot of it's owned to Pat Hill. And his connections to the NFL gave me an opportunity to go from college to the pros. But from the first moment I interviewed with Lou to then working in the office for several years before coming to the West Coast, this week I saw Schefter, and I was texting with Lou a little bit a couple days ago, he's interviewing for all these jobs, right? Houston, the Lions, the Falcons, Last report I read, I haven't asked him this, is Jacksonville's interested, they haven't set anything up. More than likely, he's going to interview for all these jobs. And honestly, my gut feeling, he's going to get one of these jobs. He's going to get one of these jobs. And I was thinking, like, you know, a lot of times when when a coach gets a job, right, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dayball, Matt Campbell, we've seen their teams play. Like, we've seen the Bills play offense. So I go, you know what, I know Brian Dayball's a good coach. If Eric Bieniemy is the guy calling plays, and honestly, I, I think he is. He might be. Andy might be. I don't even know. But the, everyone I know in Kansas City, they sing his praises. He's going to become a head coach. You know, uh, I'm trying to think. Arthur Smith with the Titans. Like, we see these guys run their offenses, so we get it. Robert Sala runs the defense. Like, I, we see what they do. With GMs, if you're not the general manager and you're assistant GM, unless you've worked with that guy, no one has any fucking clue. You don't know... Adam Peters with the Niners, who he's evaluated. George Patton with the Minnesota Vikings. You know nothing about them besides the things you read from media people, that this guy's on the list and he's interviewing. Well, like most people, Lewis Riddick, you actually know way more about a guy like Lewis when he goes to the media because his evaluations are public. And you get to see him talk about football. And you go, God, Lewis is really smart. Well, the number one thing I will say about Lewis Riddick is he's smart as hell. He is really, really intelligent. And, he, and maybe it's always been like this. There's no direct path to any job. 
I tell people this all the time when they want to get into like sports media. Like I, I don't know, man. I, I went to Cal Poly to be an ag, you know, I was an ag business major. Did this like hybrid major where I took all these normal business classes, but I was under the ag umbrella. It was the only way I get into school. And then I started writing for my school paper, and then I started working in football. Then I got a radio show. Like I, my path, I didn't know what I was going to do. It just kind of led me, and I'm just, I'm still kind of going on it. Just like I got to the NFL, there were guys that played in the league that were scouting. There were guys that, that parents had coached in the league that were scouting. There were guys like Brett Veach that had just played at a smaller school that ended up getting a job in scout. Yeah, like Howie went to, uh, uh, you know, he got a law degree. Like there, there's a million different paths to get a place, right? There is no one direct path because we've seen over and over. And here's the reality: a guy like Lewis is going to get a job. And people will go, oh, he just he took TV, and then that's how he got the job. Well, I've seen a lot of guys, just 20-year scouts, get the jobs and fail. So just because you came up the way of, like, started as an intern, then been a pro scout, then been a college scout, then been a college director, we've seen that guy get jobs and crumble. Mike McCagden, lifetime scout, one of the worst general managers we've ever seen. I mean, god-awful. Couldn't be any worse. It, it, seriously, I mean, it, it does not get any worse than Mike McCagden. When we saw he's just an old-school scout. And we've seen guys come out the different way. Here's what I, and I was thinking about this today. Lewis played college football where he played at Pitt, so Division I. He was an academic All-American. He then played in the NFL for like six or seven years. He then got into scouting with the Redskins and worked in pro scouting with the Redskins and the Eagles. And then I think the last year or two when I was with the Eagles, he was doing colleges too. Like he was going to Texas, he was going to Clemson, he was going to big schools. Then, on TV for the last eight years, think about this for the last couple years. He's been doing college games. So when you do college games as an analyst, you talk to the coaches from both schools. You talk to the players. You evaluate the film. And obviously, Lewis has now done the draft for several years. So he's evaluated the draft for television. And Daniel Jeremiah does this too, just kind of like he would as a scout. He's building up his boards. He's doing background information. And then this year on Monday Night Football, and here's what I know about Lewis. He's a football junkie. The guy can talk and watch football, honestly, like 20 hours a day. I remember being around him and going, like, if this guy's going to be a general manager, I don't think I can do it because I don't like football as much as him. Like, he would leave the office at, like, 8 or 9, and then he'd go home and watch more tape on guys to, like, 11 or 12. And this was doing advanced scouting reports. His advanced scouting reports were just stupid. I mean, it was incredible. His greatest strength will be as a general manager, and here's what I know. If John Lynch and, and Mike Mayock can be general managers with zero NFL experience beside playing, Lewis can with a decade of actually scouting in the NFL, being in the box as an advanced scout. Lewis's advanced scouts were fucking incredible. I mean, my advanced scout, and I did it for a couple games, it's really, really hard. I mean, to know what you're looking at. And Lewis can look at stuff from... Lewis really, really relates well to coaches, assistant coaches. He always had great relationships, whether it was Sean McDermott, Matt Nagy, Juan Castillo, Deuce Staley. All of our assistants love Bobby April, you name it. He was close with all these guys because he could talk their language. But he could also sit there with me, who's much more of a player guy, and just talk players, whether it be pro or college. Why? Because he's a junkie. Why did, why did Mike Mayock, and why does he have a chance to be a good general manager? Now, I don't know if he's pulling the strings. In Oakland, clearly he's not. John Gruden's the boss. Because Mayock's a junkie. Lewis is a junkie, too. And Lewis, I, I really think, I don't know w- what team he's going to get a shot with, but he's going to get a shot. And he's going to have a good of a chance to succeed as anyone. He is e- as well-prepared at 51 years old as you possibly can be. 
He's seen it on the pro side. He's seen it on the college side. He's been a broadcaster, which actually I think has probably helped him see like the overview of everything. Uh, now, as a general manager, I don't know what job he's going to get. I don't know who's going to offer him the job. I don't know what the situation would be, right? If he is going to hire the coach, his success and failure will be as much on whoever his quarterback is, whoever his coach is. Because you know what makes John Schneider, Brett Veach, Kevin Colbert, you know, good general managers? They have good coaches. If you don't have a good coach, I don't care how good of a general manager you are, you have no shot. So whatever job he gets, like who his coach is, will be very important. But I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of guys, and he's equally as talented as anybody. And he's he's as driven, if I'd say the most driven, biggest grinder I've ever been around easily is Andy Reid. Uh, I mean, I, I, Lewis has got the same, you know, drive. I've seen it in Howie. I've seen it in Veach. The, these guys are just driven at the highest level. It, it's why, honestly, when I worked in the NFL, I was like, God, these guys just like football more than me. And you, if you listen to me, I mean, I like football. I really do. I'm like, I think I like football a lot. It's why I tell everyone, and when I see all these people on Twitter that think they can work in the NFL, I don't think you realize how much these guys like it, how much it really defines them in their bones. I mean, deep down. You know, and I'm sure many of you guys listening know people that either are in the restaurant business, the I know farmers like this. I know people in the alcohol business. It's just, it's everything to them. It's what they know. It's who they are. And I know some people's like, we need balance in our life. Yeah, some people aren't wired that way. And to be honest with you, the most successful people definitely aren't. There is no right or wrong way to live. But there pretty consistently is a right way to be good at something. And that's to be all in. And that's to think about it 24-7. And that's to be consumed with it. I'm telling you, Lewis, and I've known him now for a decade, the guy likes football and knows football as well as any human I've ever been around. And I, I, whenever he gets a shot, you know, I, I, I just think it's, he, he's going to be good. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, one of the, I guess, the most polarizing situation is Jalen Hurd and Carson Wentz, which, you know, Carson's just on the bench, which I've said is a good thing. Just leave Carson Wentz on the bench, give him some time to decompress, hope Jalen Hurd looks good, but probably not too good. You know, I I think you'd want him to win this week, but I don't think you want him to throw like four or five touchdowns because then... There's only a couple games left. You go into the offseason, you have this quarterback competition, but all the fans are going to be rooting for Jalen, and then it's just going to get weird. One situation that is all... But the reality is, is Carson Wentz, you can read about... Carson Wentz is not going anywhere. You're not going to trade Carson Wentz this offseason when his value's at an all-time low and when you still owe him a bunch of money, at least on the books. So then Carson Wentz could go to Frank Reich or go to uh, Pittsburgh or go to San Francisco and then look good with those coaches? A guy that you paid all this money and invested all these draft picks in? No fucking chance. You're riding it out. I, I know the way the Eagles think and how he, like they're not giving up on an asset at an all-time low at quarterback who they invested in. It, make, it just makes no sense. It, it, it does. But one quarterback situation to me that's a little more interesting is just Sean Payton said this week, that Jameis Winston, when Drew Brees retires, which I think it's fair to say will be this offseason, and you heard it here first, Mike Tirico and Drew Brees are going to be calling Sunday Night Football games in the next couple years. 
Al Michaels in his late 70s, I, I don't know if he's going to retire or he's going to be forced into retirement. And Chris Collinsworth is just not that famous besides just calling games, and he's good. But we see the way these TV executives work. Drew Brees, you know, in his 40 or 41 years old, fresh off the league, they're going to want his star power on TV. Drew Brees, Mike Tirico, I'd say by 2023 at the latest in that booth. But I think Drew Brees it will not be back next season. Sean Payton said that Jameis will have a chance to compete for the job. Here's a problem with that. Jameis Winston is a free agent. Jameis Winston is not signed to a multi-year contract. I think here's the problem. Is Sean Payton's already seeing, like, listen, I think he likes Taysom Hill a lot. But he realizes, like, are we sure? Well, this is the type of game where I think you find out a little bit more. Because his first four games have kind of gone like this. He's played Atlanta twice. He played Denver when they did not have a quarterback. And he played last week, which everyone's crushing him. I actually didn't think he looked that bad. But he lost the game against Jalen. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't necessarily playing Jalen, but they just lost to a game that they were heavy favorites in. That they should not have lost that game. But at the end of the day, he hasn't really gone up against someone. I mean, Matt Ryan's so old now, and I don't think we view him as a top 10 guy. Just someone you go, can we beat this guy in a big game? Because at the end of the day, Sean Payton, who's one of the highest paid co- uh, coaches in the league, <clears throat> I think has one of the, t- you know, a team that has one of the best rosters in the league are really built to win the last couple years and the next couple years. Like, they're built with their high-end players under contract to win and win now. That he's going to go the rest of this season or every game that Taysom plays and think to himself, can I win a Super Bowl with this player? Or can I compete to win a Super Bowl with this player? And right now, I think the answer would be definitely unknown. You'd probably lean no. But you get the Chiefs this weekend... And you're playing, you know, Rodgers the MVP, I think the best player in the league, probably Mahomes or Rodgers, however we want to rank him. I mean, it changes every week. Just one of the best players we've ever seen in Patrick Mahomes. Now, when you're a quarterback, you don't play the other quarterback because you're never on the field at the same time. But as a coach, when you're standing on the sideline, you see your quarterback, and then when you're Sean Payton, he comes off the field, and you stand there and you still watch your defense play against that quarterback. So you kind of get to gauge it, and you can think, well, I know what my guy does in practice. I know what he's now doing in the game. Does he give me a chance to do this? Because here's the dilemma. And we'll see Drew Brees, when he's going to come back. Does he come back? Who knows? They can say whatever they want. Until Drew Brees actually comes back, I'm going to assume he might not come back. I don't know. How many ribs you have? 12, 8, 6, whatever. Maybe 6 abs, 8 ribs, 10 ribs. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to Google that. I just know that he broke a ton of them or fractured a ton of them. And he's old. So if, if you told me right now, that like the football gods came back and said, John, I can see the future. I'm going to give you this nugget, but you're not allowed to tell anyone you can't say it on the podcast. Drew Brees will not play another snap this year. I'd go, yeah, I believe that. 40-year-old guy with a bunch of shattered ribs, <laughs> punctured whatever. I mean, he was in shambles, right? We, we saw the reports. He hasn't been practicing. Maybe maybe he's not safe out there. I'd be like, yeah, I can believe that. So you're going to get to know this year if you have to go into the playoffs with Taysom Hill, if he's good enough, because you're going to play in literally playoff games with the guy. But I do think this is the game, the Chiefs, who the game, I, I watched on like Tuesday or Wednesday, the Chiefs-Dolphins game. The score was a little closer in the game. I mean, the Chiefs were up 30-10. to 10. They were beating the shit out of them. I, I, I felt, I just saw the red zone. I looked, I kind of see the final score. I'm like, ah, this, the Dolphins were hanging tough. No, they were killing them. I mean, Hardeman took a punt to the house. He had another play that went big that they caused a fumble on. You know, I watched that game and thought the Chiefs were in a completely different world than the Dolphins. The score, did they lose focus toward the end? I don't know. 
I mean, I all I know is the Chiefs were up 30 to 10. They're the best team in the league. And the Saints, you know, dep- when their quarterback situation is just on, is arguably a top three or four team, too. You could say the last four weeks, you know, it's been a little hit or miss with Taysom. But this is a game where you just go, like, are you going to let Jameis leave? Now, I don't really know how Sean Payton feels about Jameis, but at least he has a quarterback on his roster that if he started and he coached around, Sean Payton thinks he's probably, I'm sure, a better coach than Bruce Arians. His offense is just a lot different. It's actually built to succeed with Jameis. It has a wide receiver that only runs slant routes, who's the you know the best slant, short, intermediate guy, him and Keenan Allen in the league, and Michael Thomas. You have a running back who's a dominant force catching the football. I mean, Jameis' two weapons are both within, like, 15 yards of him. So I, I think this, this is the type of game where Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis are going to be thinking to themselves, like, we got something here. I mean, they already think they got something here, but, like, you got to do it in the games. It's one thing to do it in practice. Clearly, the guy does it in practice. It's one thing to play some of the trick plays. He clearly pulls that off. Another thing to win three or four games against the Broncos without a quarterback, two Atlanta games, and Jalen Hurd. Now you're playing the Chiefs. Now you're playing a team. When the Saints season started this year, their goal was pretty simple. Like, legitimately goal of probably less than 10 teams, win the Super Bowl. Sean Payton got in front of his team and says, we have one goal. I mean, obviously they have a couple, right? Win the division, win the NFC, win the Super Bowl. But the the main goal is to win the Super Bowl. And everyone in that room thought, fuck yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl, right? And and hell, I thought they were a Super Bowl-level team. And you play the Chiefs. With Taysom Hill, you, you kind of can gauge, like, do we got a chance? Is this, is this for real? Or has this kind of been smoke in the mirrors for the last month? With college football, the conference championships going down this weekend. Technically, I think Pac-12, USC, Oregon play Friday night, but all the main ones play on Saturday. I, I almost feel Alabama's underrated at this point a, as a program. Nick Saban... You know, they have these early signing day. But when I worked in college football, there was just one signing day. It was like the first weekend in February. Or it was like the first Tuesday in February or something. Now they got multiple. Alabama just had the number one class. They just had the number one class in the country on early signing day. What Nick Saban is doing, like what Clemson is doing, is really impressive. Dabo has built a behemoth. But he has a couple things going for him. One. His conference sucks. Miami, Florida State are shells of themselves. Florida State is a joke. The second best program in his own conference, Notre Dame, this is a one-off year. Notre Dame's an independent, so I'm not, Notre Dame doesn't count. Uh, Is probably North Carolina with a 69-year-old Mac Brown. That's his main competition. Now, in fairness, Dabo destroys these people. So I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishment. And he dominates once he gets to the to the college football playoffs. So he's he's deserving. But his conference sucks beside him. That's just a fact. Here's another thing he has going for him. His defensive coordinator is, I think, the highest paid position coach or assistant coach in the, in the college football. He's probably, when you factor in the NFL, he's probably still top five. He makes like $2.5 million. Venables. And he's awesome. I mean, he's a badass. But he's been there the entire time with Dabo, making huge cash. Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator for Dabo Sweeney, also makes huge cash and has been in Clemson pretty sure from the jump when Dabo took over. Pulled up his wiki. He's been on the staff since 2011. 
And he's been the offensive coordinator basically since Deshaun Watson became the quarterback. So his two coordinators, OC, DC, been there the entire time. Well, when I look at Alabama, I go, well, has his coordinators been there the whole time? No. He's had about 10 offensive coordinators and 10 defensive coordinators. Not literally, but basically, right? McIlwain, Nussmeyer, Lane, Sark, Loxley, Sark again, defensive coordinator, Kirby, Pruitt. Like He's gone through some guys. He just keeps on rolling. And unlike the ACC where Clemson is, his conference, especially his side of the conference, is legit. He has to play LSU every year. Even when LSU is crappy, like this year, for example, they are light years better than Miami or Florida State. And obviously when they're good, they're really good. The last time Florida State was any good, they had a guy named Jimbo Fisher. Well, that guy's now at Texas A&M making $60, 70000000 million. And they're coming. The other thing is, Nick always has to play, he plays Florida this weekend, he's played Georgia the last several years, in the SEC championship game. Where Clemson, up until this year, when Notre Dame kind of, you know, joined the conference to get through Corona, they play crappy teams in the conference championship game. That's not the case for the SEC. Yet he still consistently wins that game. What Nick is doing is insane. He is kicking everyone's ass in the best conference, consistently getting the best players, but a lot, Texas recruits well every year. You know, USC recruited well every year for the last decade. He develops these players into stars, into dominant, dominant players. And as a buddy in college football, or I guess he does, his scout told me, that goes through both programs, he said the biggest difference is between Clemson and Bama is Clemson is a family and Bama is a factory. Well, here's the reality. Families eventually break up, right? I mean, Tony Elliott might become an NFL head coach this year. He might become a college head coach. Brett Venables might just stay there forever, kind of like Bud Foster of Virginia Tech. But it does feel like Tony Elliott, it, this is the offseason he's going to go, especially Trevor Lawrence leaving. Like, that family is going to break up a little bit. Now, as long as Dabble's there, they should be pretty good. But the offense has been a pretty big point of differentiation, you know, for Dabo and with Tony Elliott and his quarterbacks. Nick's already shown his family in terms of the coaching staff can break up all you want. Doesn't matter. Players can go to the NFL. Doesn't matter. But the factory keeps on churning them out. Because you know that CEO of that factory ain't changing. And as long as Nick is there, and this year, not one opt-out, they lost the best quarterback you know, in, in program in probably 20, 30 years. They replace him with Mac Jones. That guy immediately looks like a, you know, top 50 pick. They lose Jalen Waddle, who arguably was the best player on their team. Broken leg. Devontae Smith is just separated from the pack. He, he might win the Heisman. So the, I think they're almost an 18-point favorite going into this SEC championship game against Florida. I, I just... I, I can't say enough how much respect I have for Alabama, how consistently great they are, how consistently, you know, they pivot off coaches and it does not phase them. It, it really speaks to Saban's greatness. Okay, let's go a little three for the money. And uh, cooled off a little bit. I was uh, one of three last week. I'm 26-19 on the season. 
the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been riding, and I've been riding hard, got killed. Uh, what was the other? Oh, Minnesota. That, that was just Dan Bailey. I'm going to need better out of you, buddy. Well, let's, let's make some kicks. Even Mike Zimmer was like, come on, come on, man. We need to hit some kicks. Uh, so let's, let's dive into three for the money. I'm going to keep riding the Jaguars, but I, I'm not going to, they're getting like over two touchdowns. I'm not messing with the point spread. Ravens, Jags over 47 and a half. I mean, I think the Ravens could easily score 45 points in this game. To me, the Jags got to be, you know, give me at least 15. I, I, I think the over 47 hits in this game. Uh, Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. I, I said it from the jump. I didn't believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Not because of their quarterback. The quarterback's really good, but he's banged up. And he hasn't been the same, really, for the last, you know, ever since the dude fell on his shoulder in the Seattle game. I do not trust the coaching staff. Now, I'm not some big Jalen Hurts fan. I, I've said it many times. I, I thought he was a running back, not a quarterback. But watching him play last weekend, I was like, okay, he can throw it. He can run it. His arm strength looks good. Uh, I'm just going to take the Eagles plus six in this game. I'm going to take the Eagles plus six in this game at home. Their team was energized. They got some momentum. Doug Peterson coaching for his job or not. I I don't know uh, what the situation is there, but they they just look like they had more life. So I'm going to go Eagles plus six. And then Washington. The, The latest is Alex Smith playing this week because if he's not, any game that Dwayne Haskins starts... Any game that here will be my gambling philosophy. If Dwayne Haskins, I just out practiced. So, so Alex Smith has missed practice the last couple weeks. As of recording this, I'm going to assume Alex Smith does not play, meaning Dwayne Haskins will play. And Alex last week, once he pulled his calf, was pretty useless in the game. And he wasn't that good against the Niners to begin with. And he really hasn't been that great in general. Um, four touchdowns, six picks this year. But but even on a reconstructed leg, even a guy that once was a really good athlete who can't move, on on Alex's worst worst day, he's way better than Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins is a terrible football player. I don't think he knows what's going on. I don't think he's very talented. I don't think he's very accurate. I, I just, whenever I watch Dwayne Haskins on an NFL field, I think he's terrible. So Seattle, who's got to try to get their mojo back, Washington is good and really good at one thing. They can stop the run. Their front seven... They got some premium elite dudes. Some first-rounders, obviously Chase Young. They will hit you in the mouth. But you know what Seattle doesn't want to do? They don't want to run the ball. They want to throw the football. I like Seattle minus five in this game. I I just think Washington's going to run into a buzzsaw. Seattle kind of got their mojo back last week against the New York football Jets. And uh, I'm going Seattle minus five. So I'm going Ravens-Jags. I'm going to go the over 47.5. I'm going to go Eagles plus six against Arizona. And I'm going to go Seattle minus five. Let's do a couple Middlecoff mailbag things really quick. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You guys know the drill. Slide up in those uh, DMs, and you get your question answered here on the podcast. You talk a lot about Lamar Jackson being a below-average passer, and you can't win with him in the playoffs. As a casual fan, that seems obvious and is hard to disagree with. However, on Monday Night Football, they put up a stat that said his career in the red zone, he has thrown 40 touchdown passes and no picks. As a casual fan, that seems crazy and very critical. How important is that sat turnovers and uh, efficiency in the red zone? Because he seems to dominate in the red zone. Well, I'd say it's very important. <laughs> I mean, I think Brian Greasy said one of the great lines I've ever heard. 
He said quarterbacks get paid for two things. To win on third down and to win in the red zone. So Lamar Jackson is winning in the red zone. Now, I'd have to do a deep dive. The best thing the Ravens do is they are a great running team. So I would guess that they are scoring a lot on play action, which is great play calling and Lamar Jackson executing the play call. And maybe I'm wrong because I'm not backing this up with any data. But their offense actually is you know, pretty well set up to win on some misdirection, some bootlegs, just to get some easy throws because the run game is so vaunted. Now, again, Lamar Jackson is not a bad passer in the sense that he throws a tight spiral, he can throw the ball far, he's just not very accurate. And typically in the playoffs, they haven't been able to get to the red zone. They haven't been able to move the ball. They get into His problem is in big games, you're not going to, like, obviously they can score in the red zone. Okay, let's just, that stat is the stat. They can score in the red zone. He can score in the red zone. His problem in the big games, but specifically the playoffs the two years, and what I think will be a problem again in this playoff, they get in third and long. In playoff games, you're typically, it's not 47 to 42, right? You're talking about a game that might be 27 to 23, right? 23 to 20. Like, that's the score. So you're, you might only get in the red zone a couple times. You have to get in the field goal range. You have to move the ball past midfield. Well, what happens on third and nine? at your own 40. That's where he struggled. When I know you're going to try to throw to Mark Andrews over the middle of the field, or I know you're going to try to throw a deep out route. That's been Lamar's problem. Uh, Fan of the show, watching Monday Night Football game, Greasy talking up the 49ers like the Crimson Tide playing Troy, mispronouncing Bill's players' names. Lewis is always good, but it's always disrespect, and Allen threaded the Niners and was so comfortable, even I couldn't believe it. Thoughts? Kind of an old question. You know, it's I, I'm not great at names either. Now, I'm, I'm an entertainer on a podcast, not broadcasting the game. It is difficult, but I, I've actually, I like Greasy. And obviously, I, I know Lewis, and I like Lewis. I, I think Greasy's been pretty good. Uh, the Bills are good. I mean, I don't really know what else to say there. The Bills are really good. Was wondering if there is any spying as in playbook play leaking amongst coaches. Say a disgruntled offensive coordinator texts someone in the staff of their next opponent with details of exploitable hole or even assistant coaches spying for other teams. Just wondering. That's a really good question. You probably have to, I'd have to ask coaches that. I'd never heard of that. I do think there are teams work with other teams when you're in the playoff mix to help other teams out. That happens for sure. But in terms of like, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine anything conceivable you could think of, it's probably happened. With a position coach who hates that given team, leaks some stuff to an opponent, if the team's out of it, I'd be shocked if a guy's leaking, if the team, if it's like a playoff game or a game, you know, like this weekend or next weekend that has playoff implications. Now, you're talking about a big money industry. You're talking about a big ego industry. So if a guy knows he's going to get fired, let's say I'm the offensive line coach on a team that's a wild card team, and I know my head coach is going to fire me at the end of the year. Maybe I try to screw him. Now, here's the thing. If that ever got out, and I, I've never heard of that, but if that ever got out, you would be blackballed from the league. Like, you would not be hired again. So that would, the more I think about it, you get blackballed from football. 
who's ever hiring you again if you get caught that way. Now, I don't know how you'd get caught. I'm sure stuff has happened. You know, think about this. Think of all the players. Let's say me and you, we go to Oklahoma together. I was thinking this watching the Ravens and the Browns. Well, Mark Andrews and Baker Mayfield are very, very close friends. If you follow both of them on Instagram, before they got to the league, they spent a lot of time to go with each other. I think Mark Andrews obviously at Baker's wedding. Like I, I think it's fair to say they're very, very tight. You know, they played college football together for years. Like anytime that you develop a relationship with someone in your early twenties when you don't have any money, your relationship's actually stronger the more successful you you become. Because you can talk about stuff that, you know, you don't talk about with your friends that you meet as you get older and you get more successful. And think how often in football, and Baker and Mark Andrews, I mean, we could do a million of those examples. Wouldn't it happen with players and players? Like, if I hated my place, couldn't I leak? Think how often that's probably happened. Call my buddy in the other team, tell him, hey, bro, we're probably going to do this, this, and this. Wouldn't shock me. You know me, if I if I had heard that, I, I would definitely say I have, but I, I've never heard of a situation like that. But you got me thinking now. Love the pod, lifelong Steelers fan and former Cornell football player. So we got a smart athlete. Do you think the Steelers' inability to run the football has a lot to do with our over-reliance on the quick passing game? Ben is averaging uh, a release time of 2.2 seconds which in my view has made us pretty one-dimensional. In, your, in years past, we've effectively made immediate throws, excuse me, intermediate throws, to set up the run game, then follow it up with play-action shots. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Who did I hear saying this the other day? I think it was Booger McFarlane, who you know I, I used to talk some shit about when he was on the Monday Night Broadcast. He made a really good point. I think I saw it on social media. He said, when you get very pass-happy, and, and he was a defensive lineman, so I, I, he knows toughness and the line of scrimmage. When you get very pass-happy as an offensive line and as a unit and as an offense, I do think it can take away from the toughness of your offensive lineman because every day they're practicing pass pro. And like you said, the quick passing game. Well, eventually, I have to maul you. And part of mauling you, I have to get used to that and rep it out. That's why anyone that, you know, when I was at Fresno State, we used to run nine on seven. Did it when I was with the Eagles, too. It's basically the offensive line versus the front seven, a quarterback, a fullback, and a running back, (laughs) and a tight end. And it is a physical fucking drill. It's basically the team version of Oklahoma, or I guess the group version of Oklahoma. The team version of Oklahoma would be goal line. But the group version... Of your offensive line, your tight end, your fullback, and your running back against four defensive linemen and three linebackers. I guess if you were in a 3-4, three defensive linemen and four linebackers. However, your front seven versus, you know, nine guys, but one of them is the quarterback. So it's really eight, right? Five offensive linemen, the tight end, the fullback. So five, six, seven, eight. I mean, it's I'd call it, it's called nine on seven. You could easily call it eight on seven. The quarterback just hands the ball off. It is a grown-ass man drill. I mean, Pat Hill lived for it. I remember being at Eagles practice, being like, God, this is pretty intense. <laughs> you know, it's just... And I, it's, it doesn't happen as much anymore. The league's not as physical. And you just... You're going to get Saquon Barkley hurt in 9-on-7. It's, it's a risky drill. But when I think the Steelers, I don't think 9-on-7. I think throwing the football. 
So I, you just kind of become, to me, you take on the person personality of your offense, right? There's a reason when Saban first took over and they were much more old school pro style, like they were run the ball defensive team, tough. Now they're much more spread. Throw it, they've become like wide receiver you. You know, when I think Seattle, like at the end of the day, they when they had Marshawn and LOB, they were tough. Now I think they're more like a Big 12 team, right? You you just become the identity of the plays you run. And the plays the Steelers run on offense are just kind of soft, you know? Like when I close my eyes and think Pittsburgh Steeler football, I think Mean Joe Green, I think James Harrison, I think, you know, uh, what's the white guy's name with the long hair that went into the uh, the Hall of Fame? I think Greg Lloyd. You know, I think badass, Kevin Green. I think badasses. When I think this Steeler team, I think, you know, Ben throwing a bunch of wide receivers. Their defense is really good, but I I, I think soft. And I don't mean that as a shot. Like, I, I'd say the Chiefs, you know, are a little softer too. It, soft can work. But if you're going to be soft, you better be elite. And right now their offense just isn't elite. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to everyone soon. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.